Ladies and gentlemen, and I forgot even how we start the podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's just keep Womp. that in. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Step right up. <laughs> See the world through the eyes of the world's strongest skinny strongman. <laughs> oh boy, it's going to be a great episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, aka Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by my friend Reese, aka Referee, in a joyous reunion from a three-week hiatus. Reese, oh. I feel like e- even when we were friends, we didn't have a three-week hiatus. Yet here we are, man. How are you doing? Yeah. You're alive uh, still. Yeah, dude, I'm still alive. Uh, I'm still alive. Uh, it's great. I'm happy. Things have been good. You know, it's it, it feels like it's been longer than three weeks, doesn't it? I know. Yeah. I mean, what even like a week off feels like an eternity because we've been doing this for more than fifty-two weeks. Right? We've been doing it for a year and a half now. How many weeks is that? It's a lot. I can't do math right now. 80? 80 weeks? That's gotta be at least eighty weeks. Let's see. So we got December, January, February. Dude, more than that, we've been doing this for like a year and nine months. Uh, if you check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash FCSM, you will see that season zero technically starts uh, March of 2020 pre-COVID. There was not a COVID pandemic when we started season zero. <laughs> maybe we're just a really bad luck charm. Or maybe we're just really good entertainment that hit the right time and the right place in the right market. That's true. And wait, didn't we? No, we did it after the Super Bowl, right? No, we did it. No, we we started the podcast before we won the Super Bowl. Season zero, episode one, which is lost to the ether because I think one of us didn't hit record properly on their track, is entitled Fight for Your Right to Lombardi. Oh, duh. (laughs) Two thirds of it exists, unfortunately. So it's like you and I, I think it's either you and me or me and Kyle. I can't remember who screwed up, but like, it's like two of us are having a conversation, like pretending our dead friend is there and like, we just can't let it go. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to Kyle. Um, still, uh, still true OG of the podcast. Welcome back anytime, brother. Dude, I miss uh, Kyle. Yeah. Good guy. Good guy. He's, he's doing some big things though. He's out in Virginia. He just did a Boam and I think he's going to, I think he's in Pittsburgh. He's going to do a show there and then Dallas. So. He's, oh, wow. he's making it big. Shout out shout out to our boy Kyle. Um okay, Reese. Yeah. So how how's your week going? What's any anything new for the pod? Um yeah, uh I am very uh what's the word I'm looking for? I got a mix of melancholy and uh sad sadness right now because this is the final episode airing out of Reese's Studios in Reese's studio apartment. That's right. I'm finally Breaking moving into a two-bedroom. City Sports Media. Oh my gosh! From claustrophobic Reese to like you're gonna be doing somersaults while we talk about Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. And then not only that, but Reese, if if we do a live pod, you can even like show us how Travis Kelsey does his routes or Tyree Kill in your like whole studio. It's gonna be that big. Yeah, dude, I'm gonna pull out like a whiteboard behind me, so I can be like, "Okay, so you see this right here? He always finds the soft spot on the rub rats in the middle of the field, and he is just—I okay—I describe Travis Kelsey as this way to somebody, and it's just like dead on the nose. Travis Kelsey is the absolute slowest, most elusive player to ever play football. I swear. 
<laughs> I mean, it's kind of true. It's kind of true. Next, next to like Derrick Henry doing his like Madden glitch running. I mean, watching him, it's like when you play Madden on like rookie level, and you know the characters that are like fast enough to tackle you just like don't go into tackle animation. They just like keep following you. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Like it, it, it's amazing that his legs aren't huge, but they're like wide enough that he just takes these like massive strides. Like literally he like for one stride equals five yards of a carry. It's kind of amazing. It's my understanding that Travis Kelsey actually moves the earth under him and everything just kind of, you know, like transports under him like a treadmill of sorts. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what mm -hmm. it looked like during the Raiders, but yeah, some great times. And for those of you that are not on our live stream, cause we're not live streaming, I'm just saying that, but so, I'm looking at Reese right now next to a big black garbage bag because he's putting all his clothes in there. He is ready to move out of this basement, or sorry, not basement, ready to move out of this closet into a stonky studio. So congratulations oh, yeah. to Reese and his wife, Noelle. An awesome time for both of you. Thank you. No more live streams with a top pin comment four times is why is Reese in a closet? Those days are over. <laughs> I'm gonna with, have this sexy with, setup with, a, like, with 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 a like subtle sign that says "Help me" or "SOS" or like or your like GPS coordinates, dude. Absolutely. No, I'm gonna have a battle station, man. Dual monitor setup, probably a green screen behind what? me, so it looks like you know, like Clark Hunt's got his hand on my shoulder saying "Good job, son." <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I guess we'll have to do more live streams then so everybody can see your stonky setup. So, yes, we the boys are back. The boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. I can copyright that, right? I can just, like, sing a little bit of it. Counts as karaoke and not copyright. Exactly. I didn't hear anything. No, you're fine. Perfect. I love that. So we are back and we are ready to roll because not only are we back, but the Chiefs are back. They're back, baby. Yeah, so this is going to be a great episode, everyone. We were so excited. Not only do I have Reese back with me, but again, the Chiefs had an amazing win against the Raiders, which was awesome. We loved it. We always have a great time against the Raiders. But before we do that, Reese, let's do a quick social media shout out. Ladies and gentlemen, if you like what you hear, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Fountain City SM. If you really like what you hear, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM where you can find outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. We're everywhere on social media. We post thick, stonky memes at least once a week. So please give us a like, give us a follow, give us a share. You really want to follow us on social media because we will have some surprises soon. In fact, we're going to have a great interview coming up with sunflower fc that is right sunflower fc reese can you tell us a little bit about sunflower fc uh sunflower fc local team uh they've been you know we've been in talks about trying to get an interview going with them for a little while now uh but finally the stars have aligned i think we were originally going to get to them before our three-week hiatus which feels like way longer than three weeks but we're excited to have them in studio tomorrow night it's going to be great keep an eye out for that we'll have that episode posted and it should be a great time yeah, so Sun, sorry, Sunflower State FC. So, so Sunflower State FC is a part of UPSL. It is an amateur adult league. Uh, and yeah, we've been chatting with them on social media, and it's been a great time. And we're really excited to have them on and talk about Sunflower State FC uh, repping Kansas City. 
So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for an awesome interview with Sunflower State FC. We're looking forward to that. Uh, all right, but before we start the podcast, Reese, did you know that I have the most calming voice in radio history? The most common voice? Oh, calming, calming voice. Oh, Sorry, all I could think of, I went straight to Dreamgirls when, like, Jennifer Hudson calls Beyonce common. I don't think I've seen Dreamgirls the whole way through. It's pretty good, not gonna lie. I have one of my students singing I Am Changing, which is really good. Really difficult piece, though. Super hmm. difficult. Like, if you sing it all in chess voice, it's like, oh boy. Anyway. Yeah, so one of so one of my friends, she will uh, remain anonymous, but she was in a snowstorm in Buffalo, and as she was like driving, it was like a whiteout. So it was it was pretty scary. And she had her podcast on. I don't know if it's Spotify, Stitch, or whatever. Um, well, our podcast just happened to come on, and she said I saved her from being nervous from that snowstorm because of my calming voice and my calming demeanor, even though I'm giving these fire takes. So who would have known? So uh, people out there, shout out to my friend by the way, great singer, great actress. So. People out there that are not Kansas City fans, you might have some friends that are not Kansas City fans. My friend is not a Kansas City fan, but she still enjoys this podcast. So I want you all to to get a friend, get a family member and say, hey, maybe you don't like Kansas City sports. Maybe you don't like the Chiefs. Maybe you don't like craft beer, but you'll like Armando's calming voice. And not only will you like Armando's calming voice, but I bet you'll probably like Reese's ASMR uh, little blurbs like this one. Tune in once a week for Armando's calming voice. So calming. Very voice. And Reese just got fired from the podcast. <laughs> I, I just got a message from the FBI. It says, don't move. Saying, gotcha. <laughs> We've been waiting for this the whole time. Are they going to raid like Beer Hall and Boulevard? Where's Reese? Where's referees? <laughs> they just like anyway like tie my colleague tie my colleagues up to a chair. It's like where's Reese? It's like we don't know. I don't believe you. <laughs> and then and then you're in the corner. I'm right here. <laughs> You'll never find me. <laughs> oh man, this was this was fun. Shout out to my friend. That was that was really sweet of you. Cause like when I'm when I'm talking about like Chiefs, I get. I like thinking, I'm like, am I being too harsh? Am I being too like crazy about, you know, what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes? So it's nice to hear all that. And I'm, I'm glad my voice is calming. I try. I try. Because mm -hmm. Reese, Reese, you actually have a pretty calming voice, in fact. Oh, thank you. And you, you always have. Even, even from episode zero, even from episode zero that is not on Patreon, that is on my phone and only you have access to. Like, even from the get-go, Reese, you were just, you had a calming demeanor. Even in the hey. car... Uh, after that wild Raiders game, which was the inception of this podcast. Hey, man, I appreciate that game recognized game. And I think if like the world could just see, you know, each other the way that we see each other, then I think it'd be a much more calm and understanding place. Wow, look at look at you, Reese, giving me give give me a tear in my you know it gives me a, a tear in my Reese. Forty one to fourteen, Kansas City Chiefs against the Raiders. Let's go, uh. Reese. I think we have a good luck charm. Whenever we 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 put our energies together, there is always a Raiders beatdown on Raiders week. I'm sure the one time that the Raiders actually the one time that the Raiders did beat us, I was on vacation and I did not watch the game in real time. So it's just it was it's just our energies were not in 
sync. We're in sync. Let's go. The Chiefs are back. And here we go, ladies and gentlemen. So the Chiefs, like I said, just won 41 to 14 on a Sunday night against the Las Vegas Raiders. And now the Chiefs went from last place to first place in the AFC West within 11 hours of them being in last place. The Chiefs were the only AFC West team to win on Sunday. Like, like seriously, seriously, man. Like, we have the Aaron Rodgers COVID game. We don't have to get into that. But look, we have that. Then we have every AFC West team lose. And then next week, we have an up-and-down Cowboys team that looked really good last week. But two weeks ago, they didn't look great. I don't know, man. The, the cards are in favor for the Chiefs because what happened... What happened on on Sunday is what I would have never expected. But just like the Raiders did a a bus lap around Arrowhead when they beat us last year, I'm going to do a bus lap around my own episode last week, Reese, because I called it. I am the mojo oracle of Fountain City Sports Media. Everyone, stop this podcast right now and go to last week's week's podcast. Yes, I love to be cocky. This is this is this is my time to be cocky. I'm sorry, but go back to the podcast and I say, you know, Patrick Mahomes does not have a mechanics problem. He does not have a skills problem. He has a mojo problem. He's lost his confidence. He's trying to find it by scrambling. He's trying to find it by making the big play. And what does he have to do? Death by a thousand cuts. And what happened, Reese? Death by a thousand cuts. Patrick Mahomes' mojo is back because I called it on the podcast. Patrick Mahomes, 35 for 50, 406 yards, five touchdowns, five games with five passing touchdowns since 2018. That is the most in the NFL currently. Also, three games with 400 passing yards and five-plus touchdowns. The entire NFL combined since Patrick Mahomes was drafted only has four of those games. So Pat has three. The rest of the NFL since 2017 has four. Pretty amazing. Reese, what do you got to say about our boy, Patrick Mahomes? Uh... First off, I find it odd that you didn't take the opportunity to turn Mojo Oracle into the Majoracle because I think that's what you are, dude. You're the Majoracle. No! All right, that's it. We're going to we're going <laughs> to press pause. We're doing this episode all from the beginning again. Hey, Reese, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. So good. This is me drinking water. <laughs> Reese is Reese is actually Refreshing. drinking water. He's he's a, he, he's a thirsty guy today. All right, Reese. I am the Majorical. Tell the Majorical what you thought about Patrick Mahomes. I thought what's funny is he improved not only in that game. Like, it wasn't like you look at the game before, you look at this game, it's like, wow, he did better. No, he improved as this game went on to the point that it was almost eerie. It's like... It's like all those things we've talked about in the past about the cyborg that can like assimilate and adapt qualities from other people and just gets like stronger the longer you fight him. Because at the beginning of the game, he wasn't super sharp. He took some deep shots. I'm like, ah, you got to hit that throw, Pat. And he probably missed another like two or three deep shots throughout the game. But by the fourth quarter, he was connecting with those deep shots. Like you watched his deep ball go from still being kind of wonky to almost there to, oh, it's back. So that's the exciting thing, number one. Number two, 
You don't just go 35 for 50 for 400 plus yards and five touchdowns. That doesn't just happen. So who's ever saying Patrick Mahomes is broken? You can go kick rocks. Number three, did you know Patrick Mahomes is one of only four NFL players to have five games or more of 400 plus yards and five touchdowns? So, fun fact, can you guess the players that are also in that rarefied air? I will give you five guesses. Uh, wait, how many how many people total? You got four counting Pat. Four counting Pat, so I just have to name three? Yep. Joe Montana? Got it. Hold on, I gotta turn my mic up, or I gotta turn my... <laughs> okay, uh, Tom Brady? Nope. Not Brady. Really? Not okay. the sheep. So two more. Steve Young? Nope. Steve Young only played for like two years. Dan Marino? Yes. Okay, and one more? Yep. It's gonna it's gonna be someone stupid, isn't it? It's not it's not gonna be a normal name. Can't tell you. It's gonna uh it's gonna be like like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Don't overthink this. Okay. Uh, uh Payne Manning. Of course. You got it. Mahomes, Woo! Marino, Manning, and Montana, only four players in NFL history with five games or more of 400-plus yards and five touchdowns. That's pretty impressive company. Wait, so you're telling me Tom Brady hasn't put up those numbers, but Tom Brady's the GOAT? Uh, Tom Brady is not the GOAT. Tom Brady is the mutton. And you know what I do with mutton? I give him the chop. <laughs> yes, Reese. Okay, that's actually that's a great stat. I don't know why I didn't find that one. Um, yeah, that that that's awesome. He's obviously in good company. If he plays like this, like yes, I, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but he easily is the great could be the greatest of all time if he does this game script right of of these slants of these dump offs because we have like so many great weapons that we saw today, and we'll talk about this a little later. Um, but like, what was one of them? Uh, maybe maybe I'll talk about this. No, I will talk about this. Um, out of 50 times no i'll just talk about the first so we we have so many weapons on this team reese he doesn't have to throw the deep ball in fact out of the 406 yards that he had 254 of them were yards after catch that he gave to a tyreek hill a travis kelsey a daryl williams and like we are so talented that he just has to make the game script simple, easy. You don't have to fire up the team with a deep shot. You fire up the team when we destroy the Raiders with throwing 50 times. I mean, my goodness, man. Not only that, but another takeaway that I wrote down um, was that he got the ball out. Out of the 50 times that he threw, he got the ball out in one hitch or less 44 of those 50 times so he wasn't waiting he stayed in the pocket but was quick with the ball who does that Reese Tom Brady Peyton Manning I mean the the greats do that the the greats do that they stay in the pocket they know who they're going to pass it to they look at their check downs and that's what we saw from from Patrick Mahomes it wasn't sexy but it was sexy because we destroyed the Raiders and that's the only thing that is should ever be sexy is destroying the Raiders. Yeah, that's a very good point, dude. Uh destroying the Raiders always feels great. And you know, when you put enough pressure on Derek Carr, you know, he folds like a bad umbrella. What can I say? By the end of the game, I know people will be like, "Well, Pat threw two balls that really should have been intercepted." And it's like, "Okay, uh, I counter that with Derek Carr threw at least four balls in the second half that should oh, have been like least. intercepted." Second half alone, dude. I mean, there there were some arm punts just into like no man's land. I gotta tell you what. I was I, I was I was telling you. I'll tell the I'll tell the audience that 
Um, the only time it's acceptable to chuck it is when you're down like 40 to 17 with the Chiefs and you have to make a play. And Derek Carr, like to to his defense, I guess, he had no choice. He knew that if he was going to turn over the ball, that it was going to be another another score. And so like he needed to make he, he need that's the only appropriate time you can do something as boneheaded as what Derek Carr did. Um, I kind of feel bad for the guy. Kind of don't feel bad for him. Just kidding. I really don't feel bad for Derek Carr. Reese, do you remember our reunion? I know we've talked about this on the podcast, but let's talk about it again. So uh, when I moved to Kansas City, or sorry, when I moved to Colorado, Reese was still in Kansas City and Kyle was in Iowa. Um, and we all decided to meet to go see the Raiders game on November 2019. I don't remember the day, but in November, um, Kyle was oddly sick that day. Uh, November yeah. the night, the nineteenth. He was very, very sick. So who knows what he had? Anyway, um, despite that, we were in the nosebleeds, and we just had the time of our lives. I think, I think Derek Carr got sacked at least five or six times, like he got to uh, during this game, and we would chant, "Derek Carr sucks." Derek Carr sucks after everything until until the fourth quarter a guy in front of us was wearing a Derek Carr jersey and he turned to us where we thought we were going to get into a scuffle but he turned to us and he's like yeah you guys are right Derek Carr sucks <laughs> yeah dude fun times up in the Jordan loves mom memorial box seats in the 300 section <laughs> I never I, forget. I, I think Jordan Love was was there for uh for a college camp actually. <laughs> yeah, I probably was. I'll tell you what. The thing I remember about that game besides Kyle being sick and Channing Derek Carr sucks is that was like an unusually cold day in Kansas City. I'm not okay. Yeah. You know, you know, you know from Iowa, you know, we know it's like serious cold up there, but it was like 20 degrees with some wind. No snow, but it was just like, dude, the air temperature is just like ice, frigid. <laughs> Not only that, but the other game that I've been with you uh, was was the uh, was the Chargers game. That game Ugh. was super cool. Remember, we brought Noel, we brought Logan. I think Noah came with us too. Like yeah. I remember us having like three or four blankets, and it was freezing that day. Yeah, Kansas City, man, Kansas City in the Jordan Love mom's uh, uh, box seats. It it gets it gets cold up there. Yeah, dude. Never forget. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> All right. So why don't we put a button on Patrick Mahomes? But ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Mahomes is back. He was always there. He just needed to be patient. Um, he's playing in the pocket, which is which is amazing. I mean, I, I definitely gave him crap last week saying that he couldn't play in the pocket. He was so comfortable rolling out. But finally, they've decided, OK, let's just let's keep it simple. Again, this had nothing to do with Andy Reid. These are the exact same plays that they've been doing from week one through ten. It's just now Patrick Mahomes is making an immediate decision instead of trying to force the deep ball, trying to force the highlights. I think I saw he only did six deep shots out of the 50. And that's the thing when you can just slice and die slice and dice then you can throw one to six bombs like it's the perfect game script no one can stop that no one can stop it especially when the offensive line played really well shout out to Joe Tooney who still has not allowed a QB pressure or a sack and shout out to the offensive line in general, as they have uh, Max Crosby and Ngakwe, who technically are the best pass rushers in the NFL. Crosby with 47 and Ngakwe number two with 45. Um, they were only uh, 
Pat was only pressured 22% of the time and zero sacks. It was the first time the Raiders had zero sacks this season and had a season-low three hits on Patrick Mahomes, where they normally have 8.5 hits. So amazing, amazing showing. Anything else, Reese, before we go on to the supporting cast? Now, yeah, so I saw the Raiders only had 22% uh, or only got pressure on Patrick Mahomes, 22% of his dropbacks. Did you know, here's a guy who has two X's in his name, Max Crosby. I tell you what, this guy knows what's going on. Something they had to break his collarbone. That's crazy. Dude, <laughs> normally I don't mind Collinsworth, but good night. He was not on his A game. But you know who was sort of on their A game? Was the fact oh, no. that we're down to like third string right tackle Andrew Wiley. He was, I mean, he's a better guard rotational depth piece than a tackle depth piece but it's like this was the perfect time for him to be at right tackle because they brought up a handful of times that he was the college teammate at eastern michigan of max crosby so i mean max crosby won the night on andrew wiley all things considered but i think the fact that pat didn't get sacked has to do in part with andrew wiley knowing how to like counteract and nullify Max Crosby. Yeah, actually, shout out to you and shout out to the uh, the uh, Sunday Night Cast for like high highlighting that they would always show Wiley and him going at it. And yeah, I mean Wiley kind of held his own. Like yes, Max beat him on the night, but overall, if we're doing pound for pound, I mean Wiley Wiley won that night for you know not pulling a Orlando Brown in week two or pulling a Mike Remmers a couple weeks ago. Like he actually did hold his own. So yeah, that was amazing. I'm. I look forward to seeing him and seeing how we utilize Kyle Long and see if Kyle Long, even because even if Kyle Long is not 100%, if we have him playing whatever 60% of the snaps and we get a, you know, pre Pro Bowl Kyle Long, I think this is a great rotation of Kyle Long. Wiley, when Yang comes back, like, yes, tackle is always uh, a, a position of need, but. This isn't triage anymore like what last year. This is actually something stable, so I'm excited. I'm very excited. Not only am I excited about that, Reese, but I'm excited about our boy. Actually, it's your boy. I, I'm i going to apologize every week that Darrell Williams has a great, great week because, as you all remember, referees made the hottest of takes uh, after CEH got injured and said, Darrell Williams will be the starting running back for the Chiefs, and CH will never be a starting running back in the NFL again. And I was like, Reese, you're crazy. Well, again, week after week, Darrell Williams is proving me wrong, and I am totally cool with it. 43 yards rushing, but 101 yards receiving with one touchdown. Uh, with one touchdown. He becomes the first tailback in Chiefs history to catch nine catches, 100 receiving yards, and receiving touchdown in a single game. So, Reese... What is your reaction to your boy, Darrell Williams? We kind of got the entire bag of Darrell Williams in this game. We saw what he does well, which is he's a, he's a pretty good north-south back, all things considered. You know, he's not a game-breaker, but he's very serviceable. I think his hands have improved since last year, because if you recall, he let that 180-degree parallel pass from Pat like hit him in the face mask <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. dropped him. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. in this game, he... He like mossed that Raiders defender on that touchdown. That was incredible. Is, I couldn't is, believe it. Is that is, is that the catch of the year, or are we calling it catch of the year? Eh, it was very impressive, but I, it wasn't like jaw dropping. How did he do that otherworldly? It was a great effort. It was a great effort and great execution. Um, but it does lead me to wonder: 
again, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire's thing coming out of the draft was he's not that fast, he's not that big, interesting pick, but he has some of the best hands we've seen in a running back in the draft in a long time, why aren't we doing plays like that to Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Why is he not wide receiver too? You know, it's like, not saying he has to go run intricate routes and be an ex-receiver, but I'm saying, you know, like, Little slant passes, dump offs, easy crossing routes. I don't know, some deep shots. You know, that was the deepest pass thrown to a running back on the Chiefs since Kareem Hunt in 2017. Really? Which yep. makes sense. It does make sense. So we haven't passed to running backs in the last few years since we've lost Hunt, and I don't know why. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, this this offense as what we're hearing from the Josh Gordon situation, what we've heard from previous players, this is the hardest playbook that people ever have to you know, um, implement in their system, especially if they're from a different system. But CH has been here long enough, and like this is the only playbook that he knows minus LSU. Like There shouldn't be an excuse, right? And and not only that, but like just like you said, I'm just going to piggyback off of you. We're not asking him to do you know a route you know 30 yards away and do like a curl or something like that, right? We're, we're just asking him to run to the flat and then Patrick Mahomes get him in the check down. But the fact that Pat doesn't even trust him to do that is very concerning and maybe there's I don't know I don't know if there's a lack of discipline I don't know if there's lack of knowledge of the playbook uh, because he obviously has the legs uh, but consistently with CH and I don't want this to be a CH pod because this should be a Darrell Williams coronation pod but um CEH just can't like find his holes never found holes but Darrell Williams makes it so easy I mean Darrell Williams like does a a matrix reloaded bullets coming at him and he just freezes and finds the space and just goes through it you'll see him grab it and then you'll see him methodically look from left to right and find the holes and then burst with with ease so I'm really excited about that but Reese do you have any um, do you have any concerns? CH looks like he might be coming back next week. What do you predict this this split share being if there is a split share next week? Um, I would say I think Reed's going to roll the hot hand, so I don't think he's going to put Clyde right back in there. Because even when Clyde is the featured back, we've, we can count on one hand the number of games where it's like Clyde is the featured back. You know, the handoffs are all going to Clyde. The passes are all going to Clyde. I don't know. Even when he's been running back number one, he's primarily been like a 65-35 kind of split with the back. And I kind of expect those numbers, but flip it around this time. I think it's going to be Daryl Williams, 65, Clyde Edwards, 35, and then like a 5% margin of error for Derek Gore and Jarek McKinnon. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm not super worried about this Dallas defense, all things considered. What about you? Um, uh. They played really well last week, and I don't know what Cowboys team we're going to see. I'm assuming we're going to see a really good Cowboys team. Uh, but yeah, their their defense is not elite, but it's still very good. It's still very good. Uh, I think because CH is coming back from injury, it'll be 60-40 Darrell Williams. I think eventually it unfortunately will be 50-50 because that's the type of guy Andy Reid is, and he and he's he's the type of guy that believes in his boys, that he's like, no, I'm going to give you this. But the moment, I will say this, the moment that Clyde Edwards-Elaire collapses in one game, that's it. The 50-50 split will be no longer, and it will be Daryl Williams' team. But I think Andy will give him a chance to come back in the offense. But the moment he has an awful game, the moment he can't find his holes again, I think they're going to pull the plug on CH, and they're just going to roll with the hot hand in Daryl Williams. Because Daryl Williams, 
not uh, not only this year but last year as well he's just showing us he's he's amazing he's very good and i'm sorry that at one point you were our third option you know what can i throw a really hot take in there yes please that that's why we're back reese you and i are back just to say outlandish things that's all this podcast is sierra hot take hot take hot take time Yay! so <laughs> so Throw i think back. the answer is not play clyde edwards alaire the answer is also not play daryl williams at least going forward the answer next year is find the running back of the future by doing some scouting and then find him early or mid in the third round i think that's what because daryl williams played well but he doesn't do this enough. He just kind of like randomly pops off like this. It's like, where's the running game been in the last like three or four weeks when we've really needed it? You know? So I would. Right. And I hate to say it, it's like Clyde Edwards Alaire is a running back, or he's probably not a running back one, but he's our running back one, if that makes sense as well. No, absolutely. And and I I think your take is hot, but also it is feasible. Like guys like Michael Carter on the Jets or Elijah Mitchell on the 49ers. These guys were not first round picks, second round pick, third round picks, right? Some of these guys are practice squad guys. Dearness Johnson, they got from the XFL. But the way that he runs, it's amazing oh, yeah. that this guy, it's amazing that he was he was not picked up, right, before the XFL. So I think it is very feasible for us to find an amazing running back within those, you know, five to seven, like, no, I'll, I'll be kinder, the three to six rounds in the NFL draft, we are able to find a back that's going to be better than CEH and better than Darrell Williams. Although I will say, Reese, if Darrell Williams shows us this Darrell Williams because we're seeing this Patrick Mahomes and this boring Alex Smith off- offense, if we see that for the rest of the year going into the playoffs, I think he's our running back of the future. If it's consistent. I mean, that's Big f- if. That That's fine. Consistency is key. You know, if this is his spring awakening, then let him be sprung. <laughs> spring awakening, let him be sprung. Speaking about springing, let's talk about Noah Gray springing out from the depths of the depth chart. One catch, one yard, one touchdown, baby. What do you got to say about Noah Gray? <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, I have to say I'm very happy that Andy Reid made a concerted effort to go to him tonight because I complained at the beginning of the year, you remember, he was going to be another one of those players that all we hear about is how great he was in camp. All the players talk about how great he is in camp. And he talks about how great he was in camp. And then, like, he never gets dialed up. And that's exactly what it's been. He hasn't even been getting tight end two reps behind Travis Kelsey. You know, we saw that a lot more with Blake Bell. And, uh, oh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. The wide receiver we converted to tight end who Jody, I loved. J- Jody Fortson. Jody Fortson. Thank you so much. Recover soon, Jody Fortson. We need you. So this was really the first time we got to see a look at Noah Gray, and the first few plays he was involved was not great. He dropped a pass, and he blew a block assignment. Uh, I know Pat tried to do a quick dump off to him, and he couldn't catch it right in the goal line. But I will say, the reception he made on that touchdown, that is not a reception that someone who doesn't have it makes. That was a tricky catch. McCole Hardman does not make catches like that. Tyreek Hill makes catches like that. So, I think Noah Gray has it. It is just a matter of how we use it going forward. Yeah, when when he made that catch, Reese, without looking at the number, I thought that was Travis Kelsey. 
yeah. size-wise and the way he caught the ball. I was like, all right, yeah, that, that's what's up, Travis. And then I hear Noah Gray with the touchdown. I was like, no way. <laughs> like, I, yep. I forgot Noah actually looked that big. Like, like Noah's a big guy, but he's also very flexible and very athletic. So that mm-hmm. was really good to see. Where, like, someone like Jody Fortson, Jody Fortson still kind of looks like a, a wide receiver. But oh, yeah. Noah Gray, that's a big dude. So I am very happy. Obviously, it's just one catch, one yard, one touchdown. But like you said, like, very good mechanics and something that, you're right, McCole Hardman probably couldn't have done. Do you know what McCole Hardman couldn't have done either? What's that? Make that Byron Pringle touchdown, baby. It's Pringle season. Oh, man. You know, I saw the most, like, eye bleach image today. I almost sent it to you, but I didn't want to, like, pass the cursed <laughs> tape on to you. So it was, uh, I'm having a lot of low-quality memes show up in my uh, Instagram feed recently. I bet you love it. it. <laughs> and it was a, a picture of, like, forceps. You can picture, like, forceps, right? Uh, no. Bas- they're basically like tongs, like scissor tongs. Okay. And, uh, I'm looking up right now. Okay, I see them. Continue. And on the end, instead of like, you know, the thing that like clamps together to like grab stuff, it was just like two fake fingers. And it's like, I need these for when it's just down to the last Pringles in the can. And I'm like, yo, I am very itchy right now. This is, this is not great. <laughs> So I will. I need my forceps for my Pringles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these were like these were the visual equivalent of ASMR. <laughs> That's what these things were. <laughs> Wait, why? Why would someone do that? Just just pour the Pringles out. Just like smack the back of the the Pringle thing. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's very true. But I'm talking, you know, when you got like six or eight left in there, just enough that it's still a mini yeah, stack. Yeah, they're still kind of jammed in there. Sure. Yeah, dude, you're doing your best Horostovsky claw, and you're just like, ah, I can't get it. <laughs> R.I.P. to the champ. R.I.P. Oh, but no, Pringle, man. Pringle, great touchdown. Great touchdown by Byron Pringle. I still think he's a very serviceable, like, wide receiver four type guy. He's got a place in our offense, and I think he's showing it this year, given the extra opportunities he's getting. Do you think if Darrell Williams, say he averages for the rest of the season um, 60 rushing yards, but 60... Uh, 60 receiving yards with uh, 0.8 touchdowns. Do you think you still want a wide receiver too with Darrell Williams being more involved in the passing game? That's tricky. I think it all depends how Andy wants to run the offense. Uh, I think we would definitely need to get our tight ends more involved. I don't think we have to necessarily go out and get OBJ, bro. Or necessarily have Josh Gordon ball out, but we need someone that can get those short passes on third and medium with reliable hands and can stretch plays. That's that's what we need more than anything. Someone to keep people honest. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we we saw that though. We saw it yesterday with oh yeah, by the way, Travis Kelsey is still the greatest tight end of all time. And yeah, oh by the way, Tra- uh, Tyreek Hill, even though he's the fastest player of all time, he's still a really good wide receiver. Kelsey, 119 yards. Hill, 89 yards with two very easy touchdowns. So, Reese, having having the two goats there, having the three goats with Patrick Mahomes, then having Darrell Williams, I, I think this offense is ready. I think as long as we do not panic after a QB pressure or a tipped interception and we stick with the game script, hot take, I don't think anybody can beat us. No one. Name name a defense that can beat us in this offense that played on Sunday, Reese. Name one defense that can beat us. 
Uh, until further notice, the Tampa Bay defense. Uh, I still check under my bed for that right now, to be honest. But but they I couldn't mean, they couldn't stop Trevor Simeon. That's very true. Or Tyler Heineke. That's also very true. Yeah, very good point. Uh, I mean, there's just so much talent on that team. That's what's so bewildering about them. There's so much. Yeah, I know. Talent I'm just I'm I'm team. just trying to pump us up. Uh, I'm I scared think too. Honestly, I think the best defense we've seen this year is the Packers defense. Um, yeah, and like great. you know, I want to I want to get this on the books. I would like to point out the fact that as bad as our offense played against them the week before, they have now held like the Arizona Cardinals at full strength. Us and who do they play this week? The Seahawks with like all their dudes. They've held them like three straight weeks to a cumulative like I think eleven points per game. That's a good Packers defense. That just that really yeah. is. So I would say yeah. they concern me, but Pat looks like he's playing better now than he was against Green Bay. So we'll have to wait and see. Woo! Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what beer our Hot Take Mondo is going to have because he's about to have one, and we're about to go into the beer review, which is Reese and my favorite part of the podcast. Crispy. It's everyone's favorite time of the podcast. That's right, it is This Week in Craft Beer, the segment of the show where we talk about This Week in Craft Beer and also review a tasty, delicious, crispy craft beer. Now, this week's story is kind of making waves, and Armando thinks he knows what I'm about to say. Let's see how much of, a, of an oracle if he is, if the majoracle also goes over and becomes the poracle. <laughs> Armando... <laughs> Majorical my- rules. Kieran <laughs> has bought out one of the breweries I keep forgetting they bought. You are correct. Kieran yes. owned Australian company Lion has acquired Bells from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Bells, that's what it was. Yeah, I can't believe it, man. They're buying everybody. Well, and that's what's so weird is that like the stories are saying that Lion, this Australian brewer, owned bought Bells. But Kieran owns Lion, so is this some sort of like shell company? Is this like the Wolf Cola of craft beer? Yeah, I mean, not only that, but I, I heard that some of the like main brewers at Bell's are leaving because of it, which is pretty wild because those brewers have been there since the inception. Now, now, hold on, hold on. I heard that when Kieran acquired New Belgium back in 2019, it was like every full time staff member because they were company owned got like a hundred thousand dollars in retirement so are these bells brewers leaving because they got like mad or because they got a sick like package of like deuces i'm out (laughs) uh i I forgot what article i read or who reported it but the author made it seem like it was um a negative thing that they were leaving and not like a cash out but it could be Mm. i mean they could have bought them off and said yeah i mean if y'all were a part of the company and were paying into the stock like yeah here you go well, you know, this is the big trend in craft beer right now, and it's really the way the landscape's been shaping. I'm going to go back and say even since 2015, when Duval purchased Boulevard, you know, who they now own a controlling share of Firestone Walker as well, that's kind of the way you're seeing things right now is there's craft beer, but there's like different tiers to the craft beer because, you know, you got your, your major brewers over here, you know, Molson Coors, InBev, Anheuser-Busch, all those guys. And then even like your biggest craft brewers in the country aren't even like a drop in the bucket compared to what they make. But there's still like a huge difference between 
you know, even I hate to say it, you know, like the size of Boulevard versus the size of like a, a killer killing at brewery, like Weldworks even, you know, right. and it's, it, it's the way like, I don't know, the, the landscape is shifting. You have these people they are called macro brewers now that are, you know, putting upwards of 200,000 plus barrels out a year. And you have these awesome craft brewers that are putting out 30, 40, 50 barrels a year, thousand barrels a year of great stuff. But everyone's getting bought up right now. Yeah, I know. It's pretty wild. And you know what? People are still putting out really good beers. Um, like last week, I did that, uh, the uh, New Belgium Hazy, the uh, accumulation, which mm-hmm. is like very mainstream now, right? Because um, New, New Belgium, I think, is actually owned by Kieran as well, right? Yep. That's uh, the person yeah, in so- 2019. Yeah, they're owned, they're owned by Kieran, but you know what? They still had Lotus and Strata hops, which are still very expensive. And normally big microbreweries won't shell out the money for stuff like that. But this is like they Kieran still shell out the money to make a quality beer. And when I reviewed it, it was actually pretty solid. Not not my particular taste because it was super green. But like for them to do a style like that, those are usually small batch things that big breweries will do because that's just a lot of money that you spend on hops, you know? Uh, well, and you just the, don't make the profit. So it's cool that Kieran is still trying to make a quality beer, you know? Well, with the emergence of all the hops from, you know, uh, the Southern Hemisphere hops over in New Zealand and Australia growing region, it makes you wonder if that some of these, you know, far East Asian breweries that are buying up some of these other places have, like, easier access to those hops shipping-wise and they can get them over here at a discounted rate than if the breweries in the continental United States had to order them directly from the source. Reese just went full like Wall Street Journal on me. Holy crap! I never even thought of like like trade implications and like export in, in import fees and stuff like that. That actually makes a lot of sense. Look at you, Reese. Look at you playing the stock market over here, stonky yeah. referees. Dude, you know I, I work my stonks. What can I say? So what I'll be curious to see now going forward is that you know what other of some of these larger craft breweries in the United States might wind up getting acquired by other slightly larger craft brewing conglomerates. I mean, there's some companies over here that are, you know, part of like Canarchy, you know, multiple, like an, a, an alliance of craft brewers. And uh, I always forget who owns a uh, Shiner technically. Yeah, I don't oh, know. that's going to drive me crazy. It's like Finkelberg that's a, that's or something a, like that. That's a question for Kyle, not me. <laughs> that's a question for Kyle. Uh, but you're seeing that pop up more and more now where even if you look at the list of like the 2020 highest volume craft breweries in the country, it's like a fair number of the ones in the top 10 are like mini conglomerates. You know, Duval USA is not the only one who's like multiple breweries in one. You're seeing that more and more and more. Yeah, and, so we'll keep- and this is a conversation we can have another pod because we can probably talk all day about this. But now some breweries that were rare, like we're talking Russian River, we're talking Pliny the Elder, stuff like that, are now signing up with national distribution companies that, you know, they are going to make a profit. But now this this glamour of them being a rare beer kind of goes away. So then, so then we can have this debate of, you know, what does it do to beers like that, like, like Hetty Topper? Or, you know, even Juicy Bits, if Weldworks ever goes National Distro, you know, what does it do to the allure of it? Because they're solid beers, but what if now they're now you can buy them at Walmart? Well, it's funny you say that because my buddy Jordan, shout out to Jordan, patron zero of the podcast, uh, recently told me that he got Sequench from Dogfish Head at the Casey's in North Cedar, in Cedar Falls, Iowa. And I told what? him, I said, 
Dude, if you would go back to like 2012 and tell like 22-year-old Reese that you'll be able to get Dogfish Head at a Casey's, he wouldn't believe you. Dogfish Head didn't even make it to Kansas City until I think about 2018 or 2019. I had been down here a while before Dogfish yeah. Head started distributing as far west. And that was that was before uh, Sam Adams. There's another one. Sam Adams buying Dogfish Head. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like they obviously have their huge national distribution conglomerates that can then they just throw all these breweries they're buying up. They throw them right in there and then everyone makes a profit. And even, you know, and then the 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 common man that goes to get his his 12 eggs can also get a solid stonky craft beer. So, Dude, hey, maybe it's a win-win. It's a game of foams, man. Game of foams. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of Jordan, Patron Zero, I believe you told me you had a very special beer that you wanted to review for us tonight on This Week in Craft Beer. Before I do that, just a special shout out to Jordan. I, I, I wasn't even like looking at anything from Toppling Goliath. I was just, you know, playing video games or something, and Jordan messages me out of the blue. Again, Jordan is a, a very good friend of the podcast, very good friend of Reese. Um, but but Jordan just out of the blue messages me and it's like, hey man, I'm gonna be at Toppling Goliath. I know you talked about it on the podcast. Would love to get you something if if there's anything you want. And I was like, oh dude, you're the, you're the best. So I told him I was like, hey man, let me um you know there's this there's this um, imperial stout which I won't name because we're gonna do it on the podcast later. Um, by the way, so stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. But there's a there's a imperial stout that I really wanted. So I was like, hey, can you give me that? And not only did he did he give me this, but then he also got me the beer that I'm reviewing today, just out of the blue. So Jordan, shout out, you are a true friend of the podcast. I know I, I you know I didn't grow up with you, but but you treat me as though you grew up with me as well, which means a lot, man. So shout out to you, Jordan. Awesome guy. Today I'm going to be reviewing from that dude, Project Hop Fish, double IPA from Toppling Goliath. And oh. I am so stoked to try it. Look at that, dude. Oh, dude. So let me, uh, I saw let that me say on a little bit menu. about Project Hop Fish. Yeah, yeah. So first, so this is a rare beer because it was a collab, and it's actually a collab for Iowa Waterways. Um, it, I think they donate part of the, um, they donate part of the proceeds to the Iowa's waterways to improve the quality of water, specifically for the fish that are native to Iowa, um, and that's for Project project hop fish by the way that's that's what the project's called um so a rare beer they probably aren't going to make this beer again for quite some time uh so super stoked i have no idea what hops are in it i've looked on the website i can't find so it's a secret beer and i'll just have to figure it out with you guys oh man this is very exciting stuff armando reviewing project hop fish for us tonight for those of you just joining us for the first time in the podcast we do our reviews a little bit differently we have five categories and each one we grade from 1 to 10. The categories being aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, aftertaste. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, Armando, tell us about the aroma of Project Hopfish. Immediately when it comes out of the glass, you can smell it. This is a very good smelling beer and a prominent, prominent smelling beer. Okay, so I'm getting a lot of, of dankness on the nose, but as well as the sweet, and that's when you know something's gonna be great. You got a mixture of the both. Um, 
I don't I'm not that good as I can like identify hops from the smell, but I would I would dare to say there's Idaho 7 in here or mm. something that is uh, very green in nature. It doesn't ta- it doesn't smell like lotus where it's like super piney, but this is like like a green smell that is um, associated with like a pineapple smell actually. You kind of get both. Oh yeah. No, I'm I'm super stoked. This is going to be great. 9.8 Oh, cheapers! 9.8! Yeah, this is a good beer. I'm excited about this. You know, this should be fun and all. 9.8. <laughs> I, have, I have to keep my calming demeanor, man, while I, you know, talk about beers, too. That's fair. That's fair. All right, don't drink and drive, and uh, don't drink with anxiety. All right, category... Amen. Number, category number two, appearance. What does that beer look like? Did it say if it's a hazy all or right, is it a like- West Coast? It says double IPA, so I'm going to assume it's it's a hazy or hazier in nature. I'll show you right there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, pretty cloudy. Pretty, pretty cloudy. There is some translucent features on the bottom, um, which means that maybe not sediment, but like all of the processes of the hops are on the top. Look at the foam on that guy, though. Look at that, homie. Move my camera up. Oh, it's Foamy Hawks Pro I Skater mean, right there. That, that's not moving. That head, that head retention is just, that is perfect. That's what you would see on the Cicerone examples of good beer. Um, yeah, appearance looks great. I'm just going to assume it's hazier in quality just because it's a double. Uh, oof. Hold on. Let me think about this before I before I say it. Yeah, screw it. It's a 10. <laughs> Whoa! It's a ten. Look at this. It's it's just it has it has different strokes of gold. It has you know dark. Usually it's dark gold on the bottom. This is dark gold on the top, which is cool. That means I'm gonna get a burst of flavor when I drink this. And yeah, I mean this head retention. That's wonderful. Ten, baby. Oh, dude, that's incredible. That's incredible. It's it's a beautiful looking beer. Like you said, the fact that like the head retention on an IPA is still like hanging out that much is pretty impressive. The the haziness. I can't say it's a huge surprise because, you know, one of their flagships you can find a lot of places, Pseudo Sue, is a single hop American pale ale. And even that's, like, got a lot of haze craze going on in there. Yeah, yeah. Pseudo, Pseudo Sue is one of the only – I'm actually – I actually don't like pale ales. Hot take. I don't know why. I don't – it's a little too a little too bitter for me, but uh, Pseudo Sue is one of the only pale ales that I'll drink. That and Dale's. I love Pseudo Sue because it reminds me of Boulevard's Tropical Pale Ale that we no longer make. It has a lot of the same notes. Ooh. Oh, that's right. I have had that one. That one was very good, I remember. Oh, dude. Rip Tropical it had Pale the, it was, Ale. It was like the blue, it was the blue label or... Yeah, yeah it, was it was like, like the Miami Vice kind of colors. Yeah, it had like the, yeah, the grapefruit sun. Yeah, that was, that was sun. a great beer. I think I had that with you. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, dude, the tall boys of that hit different. All right, well, anyway, <laughs> speaking bet. of hitting different, <laughs> category number three, flavor, the moment of truth. Tell us about the flavor of Project Topfish. By the way, speaking of fl- of hitting different, this is a 7.8 beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big bottle, too. That's not a 12-ounce. That's like an 18-ounce, right? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to have fun tonight. That's ye old Imperial Pint, my friend. That is a good beer. That is a solid freaking beer. Let me let me explain. Okay, so just like I smelled it, right? We got we got that dankness, and the dankness actually comes like right away, right away. But you also get this really nice mango flavor. It's like mango and lemon, not so much pineapple like I smelled, but I'm getting some mango and some sorry, not lemon, melon, mango and melon, the two mm-hmm. M's. 
but that comes in like just at the perfect time when you have that dankness. I have nothing else to say. I just wanted to drink more of it. That's a 10. Oh my gosh. Oh, hold on. So we, we got we got nine eight. What was the second category? Nine eight, and then this um appearance was ten. I mean perfect ten. For style. And this is ten. Let me just make sure I'm not like being too hype right now. I'm not. Look on 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 uh, untapped. It's a four. It's a almost a four point one. Which if you all know untapped, once it passes surpasses four, it's a fantastic beer. So yeah, I'm I'm not yeah. BSing anybody. This is great. Like, I think Bourbon Barrel Quad on Untapped, they rate as, like, a 3.8 or something like that. And it's like, get over yourselves. Yeah, no, un, un, I mean, you all know the beer culture. <laughs> I actually yeah. have a really funny story that I won't tell because it's super long, but I'll, I'll tell you outside the pod. Maybe we'll talk about it, about, like, one of the beer forums that I, I follow. It's insane. Anyway, we all know that there are some great critics in the beer world. Um, so, for yeah, this is, this is really good. Not only sponsored by me, but sponsored by Untapped. Wonderful. Ten. Oh man. Oh man. Okay. Let's just keep rolling then. Mouthfeel. What is the mouthfeel like in that? Is it a heavy body because it's kind of hazy? Is it medium bodied like juice or is it lighter like water? Mouthfeel is medium. It's it's medium because it's it's kind of it's heavy in nature, but because it does have a lot of crispiness from whatever quality hop that is, like I said. Maybe it's an Idaho 7 hop, maybe it's Cascade, something that's, you know, a traditional West Coast hop. I'm getting a lot of that, which does give you this crispy light flavor, but because whatever else is in it that is giving you this 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 melon, this, uh, what was the other thing I said, mango, mm -hmm. whatever is giving it that flavor is now giving it depth, though. So again, I'm getting I'm getting two different things, which you all know when I review beers, if I find two different things and I find a nuanced beer like that, this is this is great. Only because of personal preference, I'm not going to give it a ten because I love a juice bomb over a crispy and like a sweet one. But for the style, this is amazing. So I apologize. It should it should be a ten, but because of my personal preference, a nine point seven. Oh my gosh. The fact that we're four categories in and 9.7 is the lowest you've gone, I think this is yeah. already like the highest cumulative average for a beer yet on Fountain City Sports <laughs> Media. This is impressive. Yeah. Yeah, maybe because I, I, I forgot what we did for Hetty Topper, but um, definitely similar to Hetty. Yeah. I mean, this is oh, this is killing me. This is going this is going head to head. Honestly, the hot, hot take Mondo. This is going head to head with Hetty Topper. That might be the absolute hottest take ever dropped on this show <laughs> that something is coming in and like questioning Hetty Topper. Yeah, this I'm, is not, incredible. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's surpassing Hetty Topper. Hetty Topper, I'm still giving it to do, but I'm saying if they were in a cage match together, I am I am not putting money on either of them because I don't know who's going to win. Wow. I can't believe it. OK, hold on. I got to get my charger because I don't want to lose a second of this. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> then the only category left to judge out of our five is going to be aftertaste. Uh, how does that salmon taste when it swims back upstream? <laughs> don't don't put that bad taste in my mouth, Reese. It's going to affect my taste buds. Mmm. <laughs> I wishy wishy on the fishy fishy. <laughs> oh, God. I should have never told you about this. Like someone telling us that our pod was so was so calming because now we're just gonna like go off the rails with it <laughs> yeah i was gonna say hold on fbi's blowing me up again it's like not not only are you doing asmr but now you're doing like cheesy hallmark cards 
that that like aren't the like seven dollar Hallmark cards, but like the ones on sale for forty nine cents. Oh yeah, dude, that have like the minions, and it's like a well balanced diet is chocolate in each hand. <laughs> Happy birthday, Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, woof. All right. All right. So I'm sorry. Where were we? This, this, this is this is hit me. Seven point eight. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Aftertaste. Um, okay, aftertaste is one. This is my uh, only criticism. If I, if this is a criticism, um, I don't get a lot of sweet on the aftertaste. Now I predominantly get a lot of dankness, a lot of bite, um, even associated with that crispiness, uh, which is which is cool, which is cool. And again, this is a double IPA, so yeah, of course it's going to be boozy on a seven point eight. Uh, but again, personal preference. I just love still having that sweetness to the to the taste. Um, shout out to me for also saying that Starry Starry Night for Weldworks was going to be a banger when everyone else said it wasn't going to be a banger. But because I have this like sweet palate, I knew that the people were going to love it. Now it's four hundred dollars a bottle. Anyway, that was a big <laughs> segue to saying I <laughs> love I love sweet tasting beers, and this one's just a little bit too sharp on the back. Uh, but again, for the style, it is appropriate. It is good. Nothing inappropriate about that in the style. Just personal preference again. Um, a 9.5 because I respect it. Dog. Well, see, that's what's interesting is that that's creeping up into my territory, remember, because I am party up front and my hops out back. So if that oh. thing's got a bitter backbite to it. Yep. Oh, Pretty goodness. Bitter. Oh. Dude, I'll be clutching my rosary tonight saying a few Hail Marys uh, for taking Hetty Topper's name in vain. <laughs> watch watch you like crank, watch you like, you know how people get midnight snacks? You're going to wake up at 3 a.m. Yeah. and just pop this open and start drinking it in bed. And I was going to be like, Reese, what are you doing? It's Project Hop Fish. <laughs> So only, only one of two things is going to happen after this podcast. Number one, we lose all of our listeners. Number two, all of the ASMR people are going to come out of the woodwork and be like, have you heard of the city sports media? Yeah, it's so good. Next week, I'm going to be so excited for you to be in this new studio, but then I'm going to still see you in your closet and be like, Reese, what happened? Well, I was... I uh, got up at 3 a.m. and got Project Hopfish, and then I told Noel, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So now she lives over there, and I still live in this closet. Yeah. Oh, dude, this is going to go real dark in a second. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> oh, no. category number five has been rated 9.5. So for those of you who don't know, we do have a secret sixth category, which is BDQ, which stands for baby... Don't quit on me. I gotta know what the big stonks drinkability quotient is of Project Hopfish. You know, for the story behind this this beer, Project Hopfish, helping out the fishies in Iowa, helping out the water quality in Iowa, Toplin Goliath being one of the best breweries in America, um, Jordan for being one of the best friends of the podcast. And one of just the generally good friends that we both have, obviously being a very, very close friend to Reese. Just so many great things about this beer, great vibes. Not only is a beer about the taste of it, but it's also the journey. Like, how did you get this beer? Where did it come from? Um, and, and there's something to be said for that, you know, something to be said for that. So for me, the memories I will have for this beer will last forever. A 10, BDQ. 
Oh my gosh. A nine, seven, 10, 10. And I am, I am saying right now before you try this beer, I know you have it. I'm saying right now, this is at least on the summit of Mounts. Oh my gosh. I forgot. Mount Crushmore. I was going to say Mount Stockmore. Mount Stockmore. So, so it's at Three, least two, one. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So you, so what you're saying is, it might not necessarily be on Mount Crushmore just yet. It's up for debate, but it's at least in the stonking grounds. Hey, there you go, another deep cut. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you have to once once we post this episode, like our our inaugural episode. I don't I don't want to spoil it if we're not spoiling it but eventually you may hear the very first episode we've ever done and you'll hear all of the, all of the deep cuts you're hearing right now but yes reese i'm saying right now this is at least on the summit of mount crushmore uh one of the best double ipas i have ever had oh my gosh this is this can't is can't say it's the best can't say it's the best i will have you try it and then i'll have you we will we will discuss from there, but because Hetty Topper's up there, I just don't know. I just don't know if we're going to be able to. But at least this is one of the best, which is saying a lot. Oh, man, we gotta go back and just kind of go through what the rules and criteria are to get on Mount Crushmore, because I can't remember if we're only allowed to have one style per, or if it's just like the five like best of shows, you know, so to say. I think we were trying one style per, but again, I mean, we can change the rules just like just like Beethoven changed the rules. You know, classical oh. music. We can, you know, we can do whatever we want, man. So if if, if you try, so try Project Hopfish when we all get together, um, and then we will debate from there whether this is going to wow be toe to toe with Hetty Hetty Topper. Dare I say? We'll see. Oh, dude, what we should do is we should like. We should call uh, Alchemist and be like, "Yo, we found we found the double IPA that knocked Teddy Topper off of our Mount Crushmore. What are you gonna do about it? You should send us some more beer." And they'll be like, "Who is this group? Why is there so much ASMR? What's a Crushmore? <laughs> Leave us alone!" All of a sudden, Toppling Goliath, Toppling Goliath catches on fire the next day, <laughs> and you see all these guys with like Alchemist, <laughs> Alchemist shirts on. Just a bunch of full metal alchemist cosplayers with like alchemist logo shirts. If we yep. can't be on Crush Mount Crushmore, no one can. We will crush the competition. Man. Speaking about crushing the competition, should we talk about our elite defense next? <gasps> Get, did I'm I just down. say elite, Reese? Elite. Did I just say elite? Ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and yes, we are back. I'm sure all of you are just dying during that, uh, during our jazz transition of to hear me say again. Yes, this Chiefs defense is elite, and we're talking about it, baby. The Chiefs defense is back. Chiefs defense no is very good. No comment from referees. Now. No, I, I, I want to make sure you were done talking. You know, it's that's the downside of using the pop filters. It's like. You see, it's like you can't see if I'm talking right now or if I'm just like giving you the side eye, you know, kind of this like come hither look. 
that's true i can't really see any yeah that's true um okay let me let me just say some like just stupid stats which i think are funny but uh uh i love them from and i got this from nick wright who works at fs1 who is like the chief's like cheerleader on fs1 he always talks about the chiefs i don't know if yeah. he's, is he from kansas city uh, he's from Kansas City. I think he used to write for the Star back when that was a thing. Oh, that makes sense. Don't quote me on that, but yeah. Or, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I knew he was. Yeah. He, yeah, he was with the Chiefs in some capacity, but he always just comes out with like some outlandish things that I actually kind of love. So Reese, from weeks six through ten, in quarters three and four, so the second half of each of those games. The Chiefs have given up a total of 21 points. Reese, you probably see the outline, so don't read it and just pretend like you're guessing. Where do you think that ranks in NFL history? Uh, what was the stat one more time? So in weeks 6 through 10, so I think the stat is any four-week span in NFL history. Mm-hmm. In the third and fourth quarter, so the second half of those four game spans... The Chiefs have given up 21 points total. Hmm. Interesting. So less than a touchdown per game. I'm going to guess, is that like third all-time in that stretch? According to Nick Wright, that is the best in NFL history. Really? Interesting. Which doesn't doesn't make sense. Like there has to be four shutouts in a row from, you know, the, the 85 Bears, right? You'd think who who do we play in that four week stretch? I know there's uh we got Giants, we got Pack, we got uh obviously this last week who I just brain farted Raiders. So is was Tennessee in there? This is no Washington. Oh Washington, right? Yeah, this is right after Washington. Okay, okay. So I can see that then. I can see that. That makes sense. So so you can see that this is the best team in nfl history when it comes to the third and fourth quarter for the past four weeks well i mean it's a bit of a candy cake candy cane lane kind of schedule in that four week stretch if aaron Rodgers was there it would not be that stretch but uh, i do think we've seen a lot of improvements on the defense and i honestly i stop me if you've heard this one this is legitimately 1000 percent well not 1000 percent at least 900 percent from just taking Sorensen and Neiman off the field. I mean, they don't have anyone no, to totally. pick on when, when Sorensen's not dropping into coverage. I do think it would be disingenuous of me to say that Melvin Ingram hasn't also kind of fleshed out this defensive line, so now Chris Jones can play more on the inside. I think Frank Clark suddenly realized that, oh, wait, they can cut me after this year. Maybe I should start playing and keeping my worth because the defensive line is finally generating some pass pressure, which is taking stress off of the secondary, which we haven't had all year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with everything that you said, and that's something that I think we brought up like two or three weeks ago. And no, actually, no. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so we we did bring that up about two or three weeks ago, saying that because we don't have good like four defensive linemen giving consistent pressure, it then lets a play develop and then exposes guys like Sorensen, which now his snap counts are just going lower and lower and lower, which then is the perfect formula for Dirty Dan, right? It's okay for Dirty Dan to have an interception here and there when he's only playing less than 50% of the snaps, 
right? So when when he's playing that, then it then we can see this like, oh yeah, Dirty Dan's on the team. Yay, he's our he he's the guy that's gonna pump us up. But he is not a ninety percent percent of the snaps. He's not an eighty percent of the snaps guy. He's not a seventy percent of the snaps guy. So we're seeing this decrease we're seeing guys like thornhill we're seeing guys like fenton step up i mean for him to like to then go back to the play with deshaun jackson and not give up on that play to get the force fumble i mean that are the things that fire up this team those are the sexy things that we want to see instead of a patrick mahomes rollout trying to get 50 yards to mccall hardman triple covered like those are the things that are going to fire us up not only that reese but um pff graded uh chris jones and 90.3 fenton in 88 um thornhill in 84 and nandi a seven or naughty sorry i have a friend named nandi so i always want to put the n in there naughty a 78 which are actually uh, i think patrick mahomes was like an 83 so those are the top five best performing players on our team four of them happen to be on defense so it's amazing to see everyone step up i mean fenton played well traverse ward's playing well these are people that reese and i have been talking about for the past year and a half that we hate we want to see leave this team like and now they're just Benjamin Benjamin buttoning all over the place where they just look younger, they look faster, they look athletic, and they look like they got their swagger. I think I got my swagger back. Oh, oh. <laughs> I love that video. That was great. No, I will Dude, say Mojo. What's my name? Mojo. Majorical. Majorical. Majorical rules. Hell yeah. So. I do think you're right on one thing. A lot of our players have also stepped up in the defense. This is not simply, you know, addition by subtraction, Neiman Sorensen. You know, like you said, Rashad Fenton's having a career year right now. Legereus Sneed is starting to play more like the sophomore we thought he would play like. And Tyron Matthews doing mm-hmm. better back there because he doesn't have to babysit Dan Sorensen every freaking play. <laughs> you know, so, but no, dude, dude, Dan Sorensen's brain is just built different. Dude, you know, a word of caution to this tale is the fact that there was an arm punt that Derek Carr just threw up there. A, I, I'm serious. At a hang time of at least four seconds, that there were three Chiefs that went up for a jump ball, and Dan Sorensen happened to be the guy that came down with it. What legitimately worries me is they cut to the sideline next drive, and Spags was hyped up in front of Dan Sorensen. Almost, you could read his body language as if to say, see, see, I was right. This guy could play. You've earned more playing time. Am I wrong? I, I am. I am. I, I really hope you're wrong, Reese, but you're probably not. In fact, Honey Badger after the game said that Spags is the person that he wants in the foxhole with him in battle. When after that, I had sent my um, my Michael Scott meme where he goes, no. Yeah. I sent that immediately afterward because I was like, everyone loves Spags now. He's amazing. I mean, Reese, how, how much is this Spags and how much is this just that the snap counts have gone down for Sorensen and that we're seeing Ingram, all the things we're talking about? Or is this scheme? Or is this a scheme thing? I think it, I honestly think it has a lot to do with uh, Neiman and Sorensen getting their playing time severely reduced. I'm dead serious. Those guys we talked about were gimmies on third down. It was, where's Neiman? Where's Sorensen? I'm throwing to one of those guys, even if they're covered by them, because they're going to blow this play. They're going to blow the play. So I, I think it's got a, that's a majority of it for me. Not to, not to take away from the rest of the team who is all playing better, but. That's huge. No, yeah, I totally agree with you. And is it a coincidence that the best 
game of our of our season defensively, Armani Watts actually plays and he plays 31% of the snaps. I'm not saying it's because of our Armani Watts, but is it possible that maybe Spags was like, hey, how much worse is our Armani Watts than Dirty Dan blowing a play? And then we see it and our, we didn't see Armani Watts do anything negative on the team. He didn't have a highlight play, but he also didn't screw anything up. All we need now is for him to see the same thing with Dorian O'Daniel so we can hop in there in the dime package for Neiman. That's like the last missing piece to this puzzle. Which is crazy. Like if you would have said two years ago that we need our Armani Watts and Dorian O'Daniel to to fix this and make this into an elite defense. We'd probably you be like, uh, older Reese, older Armando, you're crazy. You know what Breland speaks? Uh, geez, who's that guy? Orlando Scandrick. Everybody get back in here. We're just partying time. Everybody's in here now. <laughs> yeah i mean look this is this is great okay i'm i, I was i was maybe overselling this de- this de- defense before we went into the segment when we we're in the beer segment this is not elite but definitely above average definitely above average this is at oh, least yeah. the 13th best defense in the nfl if not the 12th i think it's a perfect number you put them on i think it's the 13th best defense in the nfl right now because they're playing like a competent defense they're forcing some takeaways, finally. They're doing their assignments and not giving up the big play. And I think a huge thing, too, is, and this goes back to my Norman uh, Neiman Sorensen talk, is that there was a point this last game where I believe the Raiders were like one for nine on third downs. How huge is it, not just physically, but mentally, for the defense to get off the field on third down, which I tell you what... If I was facing the Chiefs defense, there was a while that, like, if I was on, like, the even the Washington football team, like, Reese, halfback slam up the gut, you're probably going to get this. I'm like, yep. you know what? I probably am. <laughs> and and not only that, but we saw teams like the Browns, the Ravens, going for it on fourth and five, fourth and six against the, the Chiefs. And now yesterday we see a 14% success rate on third down for the Raiders, which is incredibly low, um, a total of nine yards out of all of their third downs uh, against against the Chiefs, which is amazing. So yeah, I mean, look, like we've said for a year and a half, you know, we're we, Reese and I are not charlatans. Reese and I do our research and have some pretty good takes. Sometimes, sometimes we're charlatans and we say stupid things. But one thing that is not stupid, what we've said for years, is we just need this defense to be average. Once they are, we look like one of the greatest teams in the world. Now we're above average, and we look like we're going to dominate. So um, with all that said, Reese, can we continue that into next week against probably the best team we will ever face this year? That is the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas hasn't been looking so good recently. I mean, come on. It's like... You know, a guy with a 12-pack of Bud Light could probably beat the Atlanta Falcons right now the way they're playing. Uh, I think it's equally <laughs> – if we're going to take that them beating up the Falcons means they're a good team, we have to take that the Broncos taking them and just, like, smearing them. That means they're a bad team. I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I think they're dangerous, but even with the way he's playing, this is Dak Prescott's best year probably. I'm not super afraid of Dak Prescott. Ezekiel Elliott, good running back. I'm not super afraid of Ezekiel Elliott. I am afraid that they have three wide receivers that might eat our linebackers' lunch, depending how they play and depending if the pass rush can get to them or not. So I think that's the biggest thing to watch out for because they got a lot of guys, a lot of guys that can extend those drives on third down and just break your back by a thousand paper cuts. 
You know, I agree with you there, but I am going to give the Cowboys a little bit more credit. I think if if Zeke, Dak, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and even Dalton Schultz, their tight end, who's proven to be pretty good, if they are all playing average or above average, just kind of like our defense, I think that's a really scary offense that we have not seen yet, right? We've seen the Packers, Sands, Aaron Rodgers, we've seen a Lamar Jackson team without a really good receiving core. We've seen a Browns team with a great um, rushing in Hunt and Chubb, but not really good receiving core. Now we see a team that actually has Pro Bowl players everywhere, right? Now we don't know whether they're all going to hit their stride because, yeah, Dak Prescott is still dealing with some injury. And Ezekiel, actually, Ezekiel has been playing well. Um, so it's really if Zach, hit, if Zach, if Dak hits his stride, um, they have three or four pro bowlers on that offense. So I don't know if we've seen that this year. So I really don't know what to say. I, I don't think they're going to like score 50 on us. I think, I think this is the game where they have had circled for weeks. And unfortunately the chiefs play to their opponents when we play bad teams, like, like the Washington football team, like the New York giants. But in this case, this is where we're going to see where the Chiefs are at because the Chiefs play to their opponents. They know this team is good. What we see from them with the Cowboys is what we're going to see in the in the playoffs. I guarantee you. The way they present themselves, the way they rush the quarterback, the way our cornerbacks look, that is what we're going to see in the playoffs. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Reese, what do you think um, Super Bowl or Super Bowl? What do you think score prediction for this game is? So piggybacking off what you said, I think this is a prove-it game for the offense and the defense. If the offense is really bucking the trend and getting back on track, they need to put up at least 27 points against this okay Cowboys defense. I think if our defense is proving that they can actually clamp on teams, play some lockdown D, and hold high-scoring offenses, then our defense needs to allow the Cowboys no more than 27 points. you got to keep them under 30 for sure. I'm going to say, with it being at home, Dak Prescott does not play well, you know, under the lights of a big game. So I'm going to say the Chiefs steal this one 29-27 against the Cowboys. Your prediction. That's fair. Reese... Because I, you know, I'm I'm a pretty stubborn guy sometimes, and I'm holding with what I say. If Patrick Mahomes stays with the death by a thousand cuts, no defense can beat him. I am saying it's going to be 27 to 45 Chiefs, an emphatic win, and Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, Chris Broussard. I don't even know if he covers football. Uh, Booger <laughs> McFarlane. I'm I'm calling all of them. Everyone is putting the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl after this game. This is a cataclysmic game for the AFC. The Chiefs are back. It's like they never left. As long as Patrick Mahomes beats them by a thousand cuts. I'm gonna I'm saying this is a Travis Kelsey game, three touchdowns. Oh my gosh. If we put I can't even remember the last time we scored forty five points. When I know it's we, been <laughs> what what feels like a long time for Chiefs fans feels like a like a lifetime for the Giants fans. It's it's probably <laughs> like was it Rams 
Chiefs Rams Monday Night Football back in like 2019. No, is that the last time we put up had to, 45? Had to be after that. No way. I mean, we just I don't put up know. 41 yesterday. Yeah, 41, not 45. 40, 40, there's a country mile between 41 and 45. Didn't um, we beat the Titans by that much? Or no, no? In the we, playoffs? we put up like 38 on them or something like that. Uh, oh, how much did we put up on the Texans that year we came back? When they were up like 24 nothing, didn't we beat them like 45, 24 or something? Oh, I think, I think we did put up a 40 burger. Yeah, that was a... Speaking of which, uh, shout out to the opening of the first Kansas City Whataburger in Lee's Summit. Courtesy of Whoa, Patrick Mahomes. Sponsored by Patrick Mahomes. That's yeah, right. literally. Just an offhanded compliment of, oh, I miss Whataburger. And they're like, don't worry, we're going to bring a bunch <laughs> up to the Metro. <laughs> that was a really good Patrick Mahomes, actually. Good job. Oh, thank you. I listened to all of his interviews. All of his interviews very, very intently. So This one's on me. <laughs> uh, this was on me. It was just just after Chiefs Rams, which was 54-51. It was against the Bengals, 45-10. to 10. October was that after Chiefs 21st, Rams? 2008. You're right. Never mind. I lied. I take that back. I take all that back. You are correct. The the you you're spot on the rams game was the last time that we scored more than 45 points november 19th 2018 all right cool well i mean if you're right if we score 45 then i will uh i don't know what i'll do but i'll <laughs> i will chug my hop fish if you okay if we score that much you have to reenact at least three of the highlight routes in your new stonky studio how about that <laughs> yeah i'm gonna get like the mini goal post in like red zone field just like ingrained into my carpet like they have in the fox studio <laughs> noel has no now, idea here's terry bradshaw reenacting it. with the quarterback seeing reese we're still renting this place <laughs> yeah but we just like up to the value they'll be thanking us hey reese i'm a secret undercover fbi agent who's looking for someone doing asmr <laughs> That is that's a good button for the show, Reese. Any uh, any other non creepy things you're doing before the game? Uh, other than moving, no, gotta, geez, you're moving. I don't know, man. Is this a Tony Gonzalez jersey game or is this a Derek Johnson jersey game? Ooh, I think it would be more impressive if the defense shut down the Cowboys as opposed to our offense going crazy. So, Derek Johnson game. Derek Johnson game. All right, cool. There we go. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for some more content. Again, we're going to have the Sunflower State Football Club on pretty soon. Check out for that interview. And for those of you that don't know, we've done a lot of interviews in the past. Go ahead and check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Listen to some great interviews. But until then, I'm Armando. That's Reese. We are back, baby. The Chiefs are back. Let's go. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at FountainCitySportsMedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes, and as always, 
I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 